Fill in the blank. Baba Black. Have you any wool? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Three bags full. One for the master, one for the dame. One for the little boy who lives down the lane. A quaint little nursery rhyme has a, has a, a historical context. 13th century, King of England, Edward I, returning from the Crusades, was deeply in debt. So he went for the easy money, as politicians often do. There was a, a, a booming woolen industry in England at the time, and he found his easy money. So uh, Edward um, taxed two out of every three pounds of wool. So a sheep farmer might say, Yes, I have three bags full. Well, one is for the master, the king. One is for the dame, the nobleman who helped finance the king's crusade. And the one bag that's left is for you to take care of your kids at your house down the lane. According to um, the American Sheep Industry Association, um, U.S. grown sheep, on average, um, uh, produce uh, 7.2 pounds of wool a year. And one pound of wool will make 10 miles of yarn. Wow, sheep industry is uh, alive and well even today. There's great benefit in this. Now, that, of course, requires, um, if you're not going to turn the sheep into lamb chops, that you keep the lambs healthy. And that requires some assistance, namely from a shepherd. Referring to uh, Philip Keller's insightful book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23, Kent Hughes summarizes the book in this way. The overall thrust of this book is how utterly helpless sheep are. Among the animal kingdom, sheep seem to have come out on the short end. From all accounts, they are of limited intelligence. When it comes to finding food, they are definitely uncreative. As creatures of habit, they will follow paths through desolate places, even though not far away is excellent forage. Sheep are also given to listless wandering. There are even accounts of their walking into an open fire. Shepherds confirm that they are timid and stubborn. They can be frightened by the most ridiculous of, uh, of things, though at other times nothing frightens them. They are absolutely defenseless. There is no way a sheep can defend itself. Moreover, all of the animals subject, of all the animals subject to husbandry, they take the most work. 
Hughes continues. I remember hearing uh, Dr. Bob Smith, retired professor of philosophy at Bethel College, say that the existence of sheep was prima facie evidence against the theory of evolution. There is no way they could have survived, for they are not the fittest of animals. They need a shepherd. Scripture is replete with images of shepherd and sheep. Um, and if you're ever to go to, uh, to, to Israel, uh, the geography and the climate alone say this makes sense. Israel is not an agricultural uh, place. Uh, it, there's rocks everywhere and little tufts of grass here and there. It is very pastoral in nature. And then when you think about all of the the main men in the Old Testament, they were shepherds. Think about it. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David. At some point, they were all shepherds. So it makes sense that the things that they wrote would be influenced by this imagery of shepherd. And sheep comes over into the New Testament in um, in the book of Acts. Jesus, uh, Paul is talking to the elders from the church of Ephesus, and he says, "This be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, which He purchased with His own blood." Jesus himself uses this image of shepherd and sheep a number of times in the gospel records, and particularly in the chapter we're we're starting this morning. In our verse-by-verse exploration of the fourth gospel, we come now to John chapter 10. Arguably, one of the most cherished chapters in the New Testament. It's in this chapter that we read verses like this, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his sheep, lays down his life for the sheep. Then we read this in verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give eternal life to them. And they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. In subsequent weeks, we will explore those verses. But this morning, we're looking at the first 10 verses of John chapter 10. It's, it's, um, it's, a, uh, it's a mixture. It's a, it's a weaving together of, of a number of different images. Uh, this, this particular chapter blesses our hearts, but, but it, is, it is a bane for preachers uh, because it is so difficult to pick out the green thread or the red thread from this, 
this, this, this woolen tapestry that, that we, we have in front of us. It's not easy to organize. But the, the, the section that we're going to be looking at this morning um, certainly touches on the ideas of shepherd and, shepherdness and sheepness. Um, but that's not the emphasis. The emphasis is on Jesus being the door of the sheep. Let me remind you of the context. Because of Christmas, we got interrupted in our, in our, uh, in our, our, our journey through this particular gospel. In John chapter 9, there's a man who was born blind that Jesus heals. Miraculously, instantly. He gives him physical sight. And then at the end of the chapter, we find that Jesus gives him spiritual sight. This man is born again. In this chapter, Jesus goes back and forth with the religious leaders of the day. They were to be the shepherds of God's flock. But they were posers. They were, um, they were illegitimate shepherds. They, they thought they were sighted. Well, physically they did have sight, but spiritually they were blind. So in this context of, of those who knew they were blind and now can see, and those who thought they could see, but are indeed blind. It's in this context that Jesus talks about being a shepherd, tending sheep. Follow along with me, please, as I read from John chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Truly, truly, I say to you, He who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs in some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd to the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them and and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Stranger, they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of the stranger. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them, but he did not understand, but they did not understand what those things were which he had been saying to them. So Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves. And robbers. But the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. You'll notice in verse 1, then again in verse 7, Jesus uses this phrase, truly, truly, or depending on your translation, amen, amen, or verily, verily, I say unto you. 
As we've looked at this, uh, this, this phrase in, in John's Gospel already a number of times, um, uh, the Apostle John um, includes this, this saying of Jesus. Jesus is, is, is making a conclusion. He, he's drawing some things together. It's as though he's saying, guys, take out a pen and paper. Take some notes. This is important. You need to know this. Truly, truly, verse 1. He who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep but climbs up some other way, he is a thief and a robber. What Jesus is doing here first is pointing out that, as we found in in, uh, chapter 9, there are those illegitimate shepherds among God's people. And then there are those who are legitimate shepherds. Um, There is is a, um, uh, a, a blending of ideas here together. There is the reality where Jesus says, I am, and then there is the figure. I am the door, the door of the sheep. And and he blends reality and figure together to bring richness, clarity, understanding as to who he is and what he's here to do. The um, Lutheran scholar uh, Lenski wrote this, as the figure illumines the reality, so the reality brings out the contents and the beauty of the figure. A true figure, or a, a, a true shepherd, a legitimate shepherd, is contrasted here with the illegitimate shepherd. The illegitimate shepherd is called, mm, verse, two, verse 1, a thief, a robber. Verse 5, he's called a stranger. The illegitimate shepherd does not bring his sheep in through the door. The illegitimate shepherd avoids the doorkeeper, the gatekeeper. He tries to get in some other way. He wants to take the sheep out, but he avoids the doorkeeper. Well, this illegitimate shepherd is not known by the sheep. Oh, he calls the sheep. He might even dress as a shepherd, But the sheep know this guy is a fraud. He is not their shepherd. The gatekeeper knows who's the shepherd and who's not the shepherd. This this illegitimacy of many shepherds is frequently mentioned in Scripture. I put a number of... of, uh, um, Passages in your in your notes, you can you you can look at these these later. I'm I'm, I'm talking about uh, wicked kings. I'm talking about corrupt priests. I'm talking about pseudo messiahs. I'm talking about false shepherd or false prophets. Uh, these are the ones who are to be shepherding God's people, and yet they are not at all. Listen to scripture from Jeremiah 23. Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. From Isaiah 56. 
His watchmen are blind. All of them know nothing. All of them are mute dogs, unable to bark, dreamers lying down who love to slumber. And the dogs are greedy. They're not satisfied. And they are shepherds who have no understanding. They have all turned to their own way, each one to his unjust gain, to the last one. From Zechariah 11. Woe to the worthless shepherd who leaves the flock. A sword will be in his arm and on his right eye. His arm will be totally withered and his right eye will be blind. From Ezekiel 34. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to those shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who have been feeding yourselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly, you have not strengthened. The diseased, you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back. Nor have you sought for the lost. But with force and with severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for lack of a shepherd. And they became food for every beast of the field. And they were scattered. This kind of indictment on those who have a responsibility, a spiritual responsibility for God's people is not something that is ancient only to be found in the antiquities of Jewish history. Sadly, we find it in every generation. Nothing's changed. Only the names, only the faces. And in our day, names like Rob Bell, Kenneth Copeland, Creflo Dollar, Benny Hinn, T.D. Jakes, Joel Osteen, Todd White, William Paul Young, to name a local. These are among the thieves. These are among the robbers. These are among the strangers. These are among the illegitimate shepherds. Why? They don't go in through the door. They don't go, they don't, they don't approach the sheep through Christ, through who He is, through His Word. We cannot forget even the extremes. Um, you may remember back in um, 1974, a man by the name of Jim Jones, pastor of People's Temple in San Francisco, moved his entire congregation, yeah, the majority of them, to uh, Guyana, South America, to a, um, to a socialist commune that he had built. They called it Jonestown. Oh, how humbly touching. 
In 19, by 1978, um, the entire town was dead by a murder-suicide. Most of them drank the Kool-Aid laced with cyanide. In his book, Deceived, Mel White writes this. Jim Jones knew how to inspire hope. He was committed to people in in need. He, He counseled prisoners and juvenile delinquents. He started a job placement center. He opened rest homes, homes for the, for the mentally ill. He had a health clinic. He organized a vocational training center. He provided free legal aid. He founded a community center. He preached about God. He even claimed to cast out demons, do miracles, and heal. It may have looked good on the outside, but on the inside, he was an illegitimate shepherd. I want you to listen to the words of Irenaeus. He was a um, second century church father, a Greek bishop. Um, The bulk of his ministry was in Lyon, uh, present-day France. He said this, error indeed is never set forth in its naked deformity, lest, being thus exposed, it should at once be detected. But it is craftily decked out in an attractive dress, so as by its outward form to make it appear to the inexperienced, as ridiculous as the expression may seem, more true than truth itself. Martin Lloyd-Jones, Martin Lloyd-Jones from the last century said something similar. Listen to his words. We have somehow got hold of the idea that error is only that which is outrageously wrong. And we do not seem to understand that the most dangerous person of all is the one who does not emphasize the right things. Second page of your notes. The first five verses of our text this morning, is an, it's an indictment of the illegitimate shepherds who fleece those who are the fleece producers. In verses 7 through 10, Jesus is saying virtually the same thing, but specifically he's talking about the, the, the positive benefits of him being the door to the sheep. Now, we have to suspend what we learn about in verse 11, that Jesus is the good shepherd. We have, to, this, we have to put that aside yet, because we're not there. He's not there yet. We'll get there. But right now, he's talking about access. He's talking about access to the people of God. He's talking about the benefit of accessing the sheep pen 
by means of Jesus himself being the door. Look again with me at verse 7. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved. Now this is the normal word that we find throughout the New Testament um, for, uh, for a person being saved, rescued, delivered from the eternal consequences of our sin. Um, and and it's, it's, it's appropriate for us to translate that particular Greek word by the word saved. It, it fits. But there's something slightly different here. Because Jesus is mixing that idea of salvation with this image of him being the door. So we can, we can still affirm the fact that, that, that Jesus is, is the one and the only one through whom we will find salvation. We will have entrance into heaven. We will have our sins forgiven. Certainly that is all true. But what he is adding to this is the resulting condition for one being saved by Jesus. Namely, that once we are in the sheep pen, we are safe. We are secure. It was common in antiquity that in any given community there would be um, a large sheep pen, a sheepfold. And different shepherds would come and they would bring their flocks to this particular fold. And they would lead their sheep in and... uh, Pretty soon another shepherd would bring his sheep in and, and there would be a number of flocks of sheep that would be in this walled pen. And there would be uh, a, a professional under-shepherd who would be hired by all of the shepherds to watch over the flock at night while the shepherds slept. So there was security for the sheep while the shepherds rested. Come next morning, the shepherd would come, the, the doorkeeper would allow that shepherd to get, gain access. He would call his sheep, call them by name. They would be led out by the shepherd into pasture. Well, when, when Jesus says, I, I, am, I am the door, if you enter by me, you will be saved. That is, if you enter into the, to, into the pen by me, you come through me, you will find safety and security. They, they would be, they would be the, the, uh, the animals would be um, in, in, a, in an area that, where there would be uh, shelter from the weather and protection from uh, wild animals. They would be safe. 
uh, 18th century preacher uh, G. Campbell Morgan met up with um, a, an Old Testament scholar by the name of uh, Sir George Adam Smith. And in the course of the conversation, they were talking about um, John chapter 10. And Adam Smith relayed to Morgan this story, and Morgan wrote this from his perspective as he remembered the conversation they had. He was one day traveling with a guide and came across a shepherd and his sheep. He fell into conversation with them. The man showed him the fold into which the sheep were led at night. It consisted of four walls with one way in. Sir George said to him, That is where they go in at night? Yes, said the shepherd. And when they are in there, they are perfectly safe. But there is no door, said Sir George. I am the door, said the shepherd. He was not a Christian man. He was not speaking in the language of the New Testament. He was speaking from an Arab shepherd's standpoint. Sir George looked at him and said, What do you mean by the door? Shepherd replied, When the light has gone and all the sheep are inside, I lie in the open space and no sheep ever goes out but across my body. And no wolf comes in unless he crossed my body. I'm the door. So the benefit of Jesus being the door, he is the one that protects us from storms, wild animals, anything that would come upon his sheep have to go through him. There is safety and security only here. Look with me again at chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. That's safety. That's security. Nothing can touch God's people when Jesus is on duty. He's the door. Put these verses in your notes for you to look at later. I want you just to just to listen. Take 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 it all. Take take all this in. John chapter three. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For this is the will of my Father that everyone who beholds the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life, and I myself will raise Him up on the last day. John chapter 6. 
John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. 1 John chapter 5, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Romans chapter 8, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who will separate us from the love of Christ. Will tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword, wolves, For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor depth, nor height, nor, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We who believe, trust, have submitted to Christ are eternally secure in Him. Because Jesus is the door. He's the one protecting us. No one, nothing can get in unless it comes through him. Is he going to allow anything bad to come to his sheep? Oh, we already read it in chapter 10, verse 29, 28, 29. No one will snatch them out of my hand. <laughs> Ain't happening, baby. Look again at verse 9. I am the door, Jesus says. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and, here's point number three, will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. The end of verse 9 and the end of verse 10 go together. Notice that there are two things that the sheep do. Verse 9. They go in and they go out. All right, think, think, think of this, this four walled structure with the doorway in the middle of one of those walls. Jesus is the door, He is our protector. He protects the sheep as they come in at night. He protects the sheep as they go out during the day. They came in at night to rest, to sleep. And he's there watching over them. When they go out, he leads them to find food good pasture. They're too stupid to find it on their own. They've got to have a shepherd. And he knows exactly where to take them. And that he does. He takes them that they might have abundance. Now don't be duped into thinking that God brings abundance to us in this life only. That's the title of Joel Osteen's book, uh, Your Best Life Now Would Lead One to Believe. My friends, um, 
I, I am not saying that God does not bless us or bless us abundantly in this life. But his greatest blessing is for his people in the life to come. Sheep were a standard part of ancient cultures. And they still are in many respects. But sheep were helpless, defenseless, straying, dirty animals. And they need a shepherd. They need a shepherd to um, give constant oversight protection, to clean them up. If, if, if a shepherd doesn't do that task, the sheep will die. This is the role of the shepherd. You may or may not know that the English word pastor is drug over letter by letter, transliterated from Latin into our language. Translated, it means shepherd. A pastor, an elder, a Sunday school teacher, a leader in God's church, official, unofficial, trained, in air quotes, or not. That person who has Responsibility among God's people is a shepherd. Maybe for men, maybe for women, maybe for children. We have a responsibility. And we could talk about that responsibility in all kinds of language and describe it in different ways, but at the very core... Our responsibility is simply this, to take people to Jesus. Take them right to the door. That's where they're going to find safety. That's where they're going to find security. That's where they're going to find sustenance for life. Not just for this life, but for the life to come. Let's pray. Our blessed God, how wonderful it is to know that Jesus is our good shepherd. How pressing it is for us at the same time to know that we have responsibility among your people are called to be the Lord's under-shepherds, to, to lead them and care for them in a, in a way that, that honors Christ, honors your word, and does indeed bring them not just physical uh, benefit in this world, but, but spiritual benefit in the life to come. 
Father, in this glorious chapter, I pray that you would help us over the weeks to come to understand our role and our responsibility, that your people might be built up and you might be glorified. This we pray in Jesus' name.